Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Praise God. Last week, Pastor Greg preached uh, uh, a great message. He had three points. Number one, keep the well of God's love for us cleaned out. Number two, keep the well of our love for him cleaned out. And number three, keep the well of our valuing his presence cleaned out. Wasn't that a good message last week? So I I just want to kind of pick up on that third point. Keep the well of the value of God's presence cleaned out. God's presence is so important in our life. I said God's presence Actually experiencing the presence of God is, is sort of like this. My wife and I have been married, this, this May will be 46 years. And uh, when, when, before I, I went into the ministry, you know, I would work and I, I made enough money that my wife really didn't have to work. She worked at, at when the kids were real, real little. But... Uh, after that, you know, when Greg came along, she never, she never had to go back to work. I made a decent living. She stayed home with the kids. And, uh, and you know, that's a full-time job. And uh, particularly with Pastor Greg in the house. <laughs> and his brother. But, uh, but the thing is, we couldn't, we, we really, when we, when we were together, for, for my wife and I were together for too long a time, we got on each other's nerves. You know, we, we, we just really... You know what I'm saying? And uh, when we got back in, when we got into the ministry, this is even after I'd gotten back into fellowship of the Lord, when we got into the ministry, we started spending a lot of time together. Now we spend all of our time almost together. We're together constantly. And we have a wonderful marriage and a wonderful relationship. And I, we enjoy each other's company. We enjoy being around each other. I remember when times when I would go off you know, on a trip or something. I, the longest, I guess, I've ever been away from, from you was, was Africa. Well, during the time when Greg was first born, uh, I was working in Louisiana, and I would be gone for a couple of weeks, and I'd come home and be gone for a couple of weeks and come home. But, uh, but uh, not when I went to Africa, when I went to China that time, 1979. I was gone for a, for a month, a little over a month. And, uh, you know, when you come home, it's one thing to know somebody. It's one thing to have a relationship with somebody. And, you know, even though I was in, in, in China and she was in Florida, she was still my wife. We still had a relationship. We still loved one another. But boy, did I miss her presence. I mean, I wanted to get, I, I, was, I was so homesick primarily for her. I wanted to get back to see her again. It's one thing to have a relationship. It's another thing to experience one another's presence. When somebody you love is gone for a while, you miss, you know, you, you still have your memory. You still know them. You still have a relationship. They're maybe in another state. You haven't seen them for a while, but you miss that fellowship. How does that come? There, there's fellowship in the relationship, but there's fellowship in one another's presence. And, and that's what is so important about experiencing the presence of God. He wants to hang out with us. 
He wants to actually manifest his presence. Now, he doesn't appear to us in the flesh because he's a spirit, but he wants to manifest his presence, and that presence is just as real as the presence of a natural person. It's just as real. If you learn to yield to it and learn to, to, to love it and value it and spend time in his presence, it's just as real as being in the presence of someone that you can see. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. He wants us to value his presence. Amen. Glory to God. I preached last week on demonstrations of the spirit and of power. And let's turn over there because this is still on my heart and this ties in with, with this. Demonstrations of the spirit and of power. First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. Hallelujah. Glory to God. First Corinthians chapter two. And I, brethren, of course, Paul, the great apostle, is writing this epistle and he's, and he's telling, he's rehearsing with them how he first met them, how he came to Corinth and what kind of ministry he had. When he first showed up, he's, he's telling us now, uh, several years later, from his perspective, this is Paul's perspective of, of his experience when he first met the Corinthians. He said, and I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. He said my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It was God, it was Paul's method of delivery when he went anywhere to preach the gospel. It wasn't just in Corinth, this was his operation. This is the way he approached ministry. Whenever he preached, he never came trying to display anything about himself, his eloquence, his power of persuasion, uh, anything in the natural realm, his education, his learning. He said, I purpose to not know anything, to know nothing except just the basic truths of the gospel. He said, I was with you in weakness, fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but my speech and my preaching were in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And he said, because I wanted you to have faith, not in me, but in the power of God. Not in my ability, but in the power of God. Not in my training, not in my education, not in my eloquence, not in my, uh, 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 you know, my, my culture my, or my upbringing or anything like that. I wanted you to forget about me and experience the power of God. And he said, so I preached that way. He said, my preaching, my speech and my preaching were done in demonstration of the spirit and of power. God wants to demonstrate himself. Now, this is just one passage. 
Somebody said, well, you know, okay, that's, that, that's one reference. There are other references that tell us the same thing. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Now here, Paul is telling the church in Thessalonia, again, he's, he's rehearsing how he came to them. Different church, different city. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were, you were among you for your sake. So he said, the word that I, the gospel that I preached was not just in word. It wasn't just the, the declaring of certain truths. It wasn't just presenting the gospel in word only. He said, but it was in power and in the Holy Ghost. Well, that's demonstrations of the spirit and of power. He's saying the same thing, but just a different way. Same person writing. It's the same apostle. So he's saying the same thing, just in different words. And thirdly, he came in the, in, in the assurance of his character. He said, you, you could trust me because you knew what kind of person I was. But go back to that demonstration of the spirit of power. He said the word, the gospel did not come in word only, but in power and in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. That's, that is the gospel method. That is the New Testament model. It wasn't just the apostle Paul. Go with me over to Hebrews, the second chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter two. Verse number three. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, it's talking about the Lord Jesus, and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, talking about the, the, the first generation of apostles. Notice, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. That would be demonstrations of the spirit and of power, wouldn't it? Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts. The margin says distributions of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out. That's how the gospel came. That's how the the word of this salvation came. And it first came that way by the Lord. Now the Lord Jesus preached and ministered and taught with demonstrations of the spirit and of power, didn't he? I mean, they were in constant demonstration. That's, that's the model. The New Testament knows no gospel except the gospel that's accompanied with power. The, God, the New Testament knows no, no gospel, knows no Jesus, knows no message except the message of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ preached in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Amen. Go with me over to 1 Peter. Verse 10 says, of this salvation... The prophets, talking about Old Testament prophets, have inquired and searched carefully. 
I hear pages turning. Let me get you, let, let you get there. Oh, I'm sorry. Chapter one, 1 Peter chapter one, verse number 10, 1 Peter 1, 10. Of this salvation, the prophets, Old Testament prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed, them prophets in the Old Testament, it was revealed to them that not to themselves but to us they were ministering the things which have been prepared which have been reported to you through those, now listen, those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Saying the same thing. The gospel, the message, the preaching and teaching of the Bible is to be, is to be accompanied and delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit through demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. Woo, glory. Hallelujah. You know, I, I talked a couple of weeks ago about some of the things that, that uh, people have seen in times past. And uh, I was talking about you know, various demonstrations of the spirit. Some generations, like the generations of my, generation of my grandparents, they saw some things that we haven't seen. And, and after I was talking about this, uh, Michelle Green came up to me after one of the services and she said, she said, you know, I think my relatives might have known your relatives because she has some relatives who came from that same area. My, my grandmother was filled with the Holy Spirit north in a, in, a, in a little crossroad, it's not even a town, just a little crossroad called Taylor, Florida. And it's north uh, east of the uh, Alusty National Forest, battlefield and the National Forest. I mean, there's nothing out there today. You know there was nothing out there then. And Michelle was saying that her aunt, she has an aunt who tells stories from the same general area from way back then. So they likely knew each other or knew their families knew each other. And she said her aunt told her, am I getting this right, that, that they used to, in their, in their meetings, they would take coals, you know, they heated their, their, their meetings when they met inside anywhere. They met, they had these old potbelly stoves, wood burning, and a lot of times they burned coal. And that's, that's the only heat they had. They would take live coals out of the fire with their bare hands and pass them around not get burned. I tell you, I'm telling you, some people have seen some things we haven't seen. Now, I, when I said that a couple of weeks ago, I said, now, when you start talking this way, people's, people's blood, uh, blood pressure, you know, pulse heart rate starts going up a little bit, like, what are you wanting us to get into? Here? What are you proposing, Pastor? I mentioned this last Sunday and, and, and used the, you know, the same illustration you know, and talked about that. And I, I said, now, Pastor, what you really ought to do, really freak everybody out. Next Sunday, you ought to have a wood-burning stove up on the platform. <laughs> just, you know. Why in the world would anybody want to do that? Why, what? You don't see that in the Bible? 
taking coals of fire and passing them around? Why would anybody, why would anybody want to do that? Why would we be interested in anything like that? See, God does some things that are just signs. They're just signs of his power. Why, why did a rushing mighty wind come in on the day of Pentecost? Why did that happen? Why did flames of fire, tongues of fire appear on the day of Pentecost? Just as a sign. When, when they prayed in Acts chapter four and it says the place was shaken, not the people, but the place, the people, the building where they were in, that they were in, shook by the power of God. Why would you want that? It could cause damage. It's just a sign of God's presence. You know, there are people in, in uh, the Appalachians who, who still handle snakes. Now, I, I knew your blood pressure was gonna go up. <laughs> they still handle snakes. Now, you see, the New Testament in Mark chapter 16, it says, these signs shall follow them that believe my name. They'll cast out devils. They speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. Well, you don't have any Bible for just taking snakes up intentionally. We do have scriptural references for Paul took up a snake accidentally. He was gathering up some sticks and there was a snake in it. He didn't know it was there and it bit him. He just slung the snake off in the fire, felt no ill effect, which that scripture would cover that. But there isn't, there isn't any basis for people handling snakes. And yet, I'm convinced that it probably happened under the inspiration and power of the Holy Ghost, just like the hot coals, but somebody decided to make a doctrine out of it. See, they decided that because they found a scripture that they thought applied to that, so they decided, well, we've got scriptural precedence for this, so we'll build a doctrine and even a movement out of this. So they, so they handle snakes and that's a big thing. Well, I don't think that's, I don't think that's the plan of God. But I don't doubt, what I don't doubt is that somebody under the inspiration of the Spirit probably did something like that and it was a sign of God's presence and his glory and people just took it, you know, and made a doctrine out of it. Thank God, you know, you know there aren't any co-handling churches, fire, you know, uh, hot co-handling churches. There might be, I don't know. And, and I asked this question a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, that scares people. Well, what can scare us? What can scare us? Something to think about, isn't it? Well, I just said that, you know, kind of uh, humorously. What can scare us? But seriously, the apostle Paul, go back to 1 Corinthians. Paul was scared. Paul came scared. He was scared. He was scared. Paul was scared. He said, he said, I determined, verse two, 1 Corinthians 2, verse two, I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ, him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Now this is the same apostle who wrote that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Did he not write that? So he's not talking about a spirit of fear, of, of devilish fear. He's not talking about fear like you'd be afraid, you know, to, of your shadow, afraid to sleep or afraid of a snake. You know, I noticed that the Appalachian people, you know, that still do that. This is just a little aside. I, 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 uh, a few years ago, I, I kind of looked into it and 
these pastors will travel from the Appalachians over into Texas to pick up their snakes because there, there is a uh, type of, of rattlesnake in Texas that, and, they're, and they're present in the east, but they're more pre- prevalent in Texas and they're timber rattlers. And t- that's the ones they prefer because timber rattlers are res- less aggressive. They don't handle diamondbacks in these churches because they're feisty and they're mean. So they, they go, they should go all the way to Texas and they pick up these mild-mannered rattlesnakes. Now, come on now. If God's in it, you wouldn't be driving to Texas to get a, to get a watered-down version of a rattlesnake. Just saying. Just saying. Isn't that right? But Paul, when he came, he said, I came in weakness but you know, another time he, placed, he said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong in him. He was talking about being weak in his own ability. He said, I, I, in, a, in a sense, if I said it like this, I emptied myself of myself and of what I could do and what I could produce. And I just came in, in the weakness of depending upon God. If God didn't show up, then nothing was gonna happen. He said, all I knew was Jesus Christ and him crucified. And if something was gonna happen, if there was gonna be an outpouring, if there was gonna be a revival, if there was gonna be a move of God, if there was gonna be a church planted, if there was gonna be people coming to the Lord, it would have to be on the basis of the demonstration of the spirit and of the power of God because I had nothing else to offer. And I came in that weakness in myself. And in fear and in much trembling. Well, if he said God's not given us the spirit of fear and we're not to be, the apostle John said that, that perfect love cast out fear. So it can't be talking about that kind of fear. It must mean reverential fear. He came in, in human weakness in terms of his own ability, but in fear and trembling at the power of God. So not what can scare us, but what can make us afraid of the power of God. What can cause us to be, what can cause us to say it differently? What can cause us to have a reverential fear and trembling in the presence of God's power? What kind of things can happen that, that, that will be so powerful and such a demonstration of God's glory that, that in just awe of his presence, we just tremble? That's what they had. It's what some of these old saints had. They, 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 they had a, a holy awe and fear and a trembling in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Great things have happened, but God wants to do so much. He wants to do everything he has done. He wants to do some new things. Amen. He does. I said he does. He wants to do some things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor Greg, last week, he mentioned the, uh, at Azusa Street how fire appeared on the building. In 2012, I met the pastor that hosted Brother Hagen, and that very thing happened in his church. I met this pastor, and this wasn't in the 1940s. This was in the 1990s. Brother Hagen, he had Brother Hagen in his church. I met this pastor, and he told me about it himself. He had Brother Hagen in his meeting and while Brother Hagen was preaching, while the service was going on, the power of God, the glory of God was just, people were falling out on under the power. It was just a great, 
neighbors saw the roof of this church on fire. And naturally, they called the fire department. The fire department rolled out, and the fire de- this pastor has a copy of the incident report from the fire department. They gave him a copy and gave Brother Hagan a copy. I met this man. The fire department rolled out, and when they got there, they saw the roof of the building in flames. So, you know, their crews are, you know, they're out there pulling out their hoses, you know, and getting ready. And, and, the, and the other lead people, they come running into church and they're just having church. Just having a church service. Just, you know, he comes in, looks around. People, it was a little unusual church service because people are on the floor. And they, and they, they uh, well, what's going on? And, and they went back out and, and there was no fire. There was no real fire there. But they saw the, the sinners, the fire, not the firemen are all sinners. I'm just saying that, that the, the people in the world, they saw the building, the roof as if it was on fire. Brother Hagin's got the report, had it, you know, and, and I guess this pastor kid has it, but the pastor has it. I talked to him and he told me about it. I know another time in one of Brother Hagin's meetings so many people were falling out and they were just drunk and they're, and they're trying to get out of church, you know, and kind of, you know, you have to go home sometime and people were spilling out into the, into the lawn outside the church and, and they, couldn't, they couldn't walk and they were just stumbling and falling in the grass and in the bushes on the sidewalks. People were just laying out all over the, well, the neighbors drove by and they called the authorities and they called, you know, the emergency they thought something terrible has happened down at this church. They said they've been poisoned or there's been some kind of attack or something. There are people all out in the yard, you know. And so the paramedics, you know, they, they get on the scene. They start checking me. What's wrong with you? People said, nothing, nothing wrong with me. I'm just drunk. That's a sign. Do it, do, do it again, Jesus. <laughs> you really want that reputation for this church, don't you? you? You want the town to see that, don't you? Yeah, you want the world to have a witness of God's power in this time, in this day, right now, in this church. God wants to do it all again. He's able. He's able. Glory to God. Well, we... we,
Okay. Um, <laughs> turn to First uh, Peter chapter <laughs> chapter two. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you are a chosen generation. Speaking of the church those who have received the new birth in relationship with him, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, I uh, talked about praise and worship a couple months ago. Praise, Thanksgiving is talking about the acts of God. Praise is declaring the nature of God. Thank or, or declaring who he is, his nature. Since here we're a royal priest, that we may proclaim the praises, proclaim the character, who God is. So that's who we are. If you go to Exodus chapter 19, Exodus the 19th chapter, so that we, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that is what God has for us. But in Exodus chapter 19, we see what God had for the children of Israel. 
In Exodus 19, in the third verse, it said, And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called, him, called to him from the mountains, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Therefore you, or now therefore, if you, will in, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you, you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine." And notice verse 6, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you, have, which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Notice in First Peter, we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're his own special people that we can proclaim the praises of the character of God. This proclamation is not just to him, but it's to the world of who God is. And until they hear something, they can't have faith to believe. How will they believe unless someone speaks, unless someone preaches, unless someone proclaims? So we see that God's original intention was for the house of Jacob, the children of Israel, to be this special people, this holy nation. Now God still has a plan for the nation of Israel, but uh, to be a royal priesthood, that's what his plan. But if you go on down when, in Exodus chapter 20, when, when uh, uh, Moses came down to talk to the people, in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, it says, now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with, you speak with us and we will hear, but let, not, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, don't fear, do not fear, for God has come to test you, uh, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off. But Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. Now, God had a plan for the children of Israel, and God's going to demonstrate himself the way he's going to demonstrate himself. And he's going to do things the way that seems right to him, that, that satisfies him. And they're not necessarily things that would satisfy you, because his ways are higher than our ways. We can't come to God and expect him to respond to us on our level. Because God's not going to be dumbed down to human, human level. The good news is he's called us up to walk in his level. He seated us together with him in heavenly places. Positionally, we're there. But he's also called us to walk in a way that would be on his level. Above the normal, what normal mankind does. Well, it says here that the children of Israel, there was a call upon them. And that they saw the way that he was manifesting themselves. And they were fearful of it. And they rejected it. And they said, now Moses, you talk to God, and then you talk to us. What happened is because of the, man, the, the things that seemed to, the, the, the manifestations they weren't okay with, they missed out on their calling, who God had called them to be. They were never able to proclaim and be that royal nation, that holy priesthood that God had called them to be. So there was a place for them and a declaration for them to make and a place for them to stand. It just wasn't for Moses and the priest. It was for all of them. But because they, they shunned the manifestation, they were fearful of it and ran away from it. They missed out on their opportunity. You know, these things may, may concern you. may think, well, I'd rather go to a church that's a comfortable church where nothing happens that's unusual. Or, 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 like I said, we're not looking for unusual, not for the sake of unusual. But, but we do want to be the people, that a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we may declare something and have something to declare. Because words without backing of power are just empty words. The world has seen that and it doesn't work. The church has tried that for generations. It doesn't work. It's just another civic group that's just saying we can do this that doesn't deliver. 
right? And so if we're going to be people that has something to proclaim, but then also something to deliver, Paul's speech and preaching was with a demonstration of power. Paul's speech and preaching was with a demonstration of power. Paul's speech and preaching was with a demonstration of power. Means he moved in power himself. Well, if we're going to have these things, we can't run from them. We've got to lay hold of them. Be open to it, but not just be open to it. Desire these things. We're not trying to create anything, but open to whatever he wants to do. I just had this in my heart to remind us, let's not miss our opportunity like the children of Israel did. Let's not have God have to raise up another group of people. Many generations have come and gone, and there were people that God was trying to raise up, not just a special group, but to, to move to all of them, to get all of them involved. But they missed it, and so generation is gone, and generation is gone, and generation is gone, and the turn of the Lord is delayed and delayed and delayed because that proclamation of the character of God that's backed with power didn't exist. We have to take our place. I just encourage you, if these things are, I don't know if, that, if that's for me, it's for you. It's for you. It's for us. It's the place that we've been called to. I'm going to read First Peter again. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is such an important thing. Now is not the time to back up. Now is not the time to be satisfied. Now is the time to want everything he has, everything he has to offer. Now is the time to be looking for opportunities to move with it. Now is the time to look for opportunities and just the hint of the word go from God to move in these directions. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's not miss our opportunity. Let's not miss our opportunity. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everybody stand up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Steve, do you have something? No? PA? Hallelujah. There is nothing like the presence of God. What does that mean? It's just his influence, himself being on display, God just being God with us. There's nothing like it. We have to hunger for these things. We have to desire for these things. You know, we said on Sunday night after we had a great service Sunday night at, at the end of service, I said, you know, let's be a people that, that, that any opportunity we have to get into the presence of God, to honor him, to magnify him. It's not about what he does for us, but taking advantage to magnify him and take advantage of those opportunities because he always responds with his presence. Let's always just go after those times. Let's just make the most of them. Be looking for every opportunity, every opportunity, and get better at cooperating with that, better at, at, at forgetting the distractions and going after those things. And we can get better at those things. I said we can get better at those things. And we can get better at being so good at, our, at it ourselves that we can help the person next to us. We can help the person next to us who comes in who doesn't know him or maybe has things going on to get them in contact with the presence of God. And the demonstrations and all those things that God has, what is that? I don't know, but it's, gonna, it's good. We want those things. It'll be power to back our proclamation. You had something you want to say? You know, you know uh, why, why, would a, why would a church want to experience things like that? have the fire of God on the roof of the church. What in the, what in the world is that? What good would that do? 
I thought, well, you ask Moses. God set a bush on fire, but the bush wasn't consumed. It was on fire, but it could have been natural fire because it would have burned the bush. The bush wasn't consumed, but it was on fire. It changed the course of Moses' life. It was a sign of God's power. He can do anything he wants to do and he can change lives. I guarantee you the people that that came out and saw that fire on the roof, I don't have testimonies, I don't have stories, I don't have anything to prove it, but I guarantee you there were some lives that's changed. I guarantee you there were sinners who woke up to the power of God when that happened. God doesn't do things for no reason. Like Pastor Greg said, we, we want everything he has. This mountain that, that, that when, when Moses went up to receive the law, it says the mountain burned and there was lightnings and there was smoke. Well, it wasn't natural because the mountain wasn't burned up, but there was fire there. Amen. We want it all. We'll just say this. I didn't say this a minute ago, but God gave them an opportunity to choose his presence in a life of power. They chose the law instead. The law came as a result of their rejection of that and the invitation that God had given them. They chose form, regulation, rules. They chose that. And it's something that led to death. They chose that over the presence of God. The response that we make, the more, more important the response that you make is the decision of what you choose, a life with him, a life in relationship with him, or just simple rules, regulations, all of these things. Power, no power. That's what we choose. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.